0: Welcome. I'm, to to ah, I'm, one, <laughs> I'm one step ahead of you. <laughs> Today. Today I'm one step ahead of you. Welcome. If you're watching online, we want to welcome you to our service. Uh, my name is Pastor Lee. I'm the lead pastor here in iOS. Um, if you've maybe logged in for the first time, we want to welcome you. And we also want to tell you that you can also follow us on our podcasts that are actually been running since last week. Um, We are on Google, on Apple, on Spotify, among many others. Um, But those are the three main ones. And um, if you're joining us for the first time and you would like to sow a seed into our ministry, um, you can go to www.onespiritchurch.com, and there you can sow your seed. And also request prayer. Um, Listen, whether you come to this church or you're part of this church or not, Um, you can always request prayer in our website Um, actually as a matter of fact I want to encourage all of you to actually make sure that people know that Um, you don't have to be part of this ministry to request prayer Um, one thing we understand is that prayer works right Right. Mm -hmm. prayer works Um, and so we are here to pray for one another which as a matter of fact we're gonna be doing at the end of service Um, it was something that I actually wanted to do last week for some reason Um, the spirit didn't flow that way, but um, today we, we will we will take advantage of that. Unless the spirit leads other ways, we'll see when we get to the end of the service. Um, but prayer works, and so I do want to encourage you guys. If you ever need prayer, please don't hesitate to go to the website, fill out a prayer request. Um, you know, sometimes we're not here, or, or you know, or sometimes you may call and we're not we're not available. Uh, which for the most part, I try to make myself available as much as I can. But if for some reason you can't get in touch with us, that's a good avenue that you have that you can request prayer. And uh, we do have a prayer team every single week that wakes up at 5 o'clock in the morning to pray for all these petitions. And so understand that your prayers do not go in vain. Your petitions are not in vain. They are prayed for. We truly take the time in this place to pray for those things because we know the importance of prayer. Amen? So again, if you like to follow us our podcast, follow us on Google, uh, Spotify, and Apple. Uh, again, among many others. Um, how was your uh, Yom Kippur? Okay. You know, last week, um, again, there was something else that I wanted to do. And for some reason, the Spirit did not lead that way. Um, maybe it was just something that I wanted to do, but God did not want to flow that way. And that's fine. Um, it's still in my heart. And so hopefully today we'll do it. But um, we've. this is the second... Moed, or the appointed time in the fall, uh, as we know, these appointed days are all prophetically speak on the second coming of Yeshua, second coming of Jesus. And we started last week with Jom Teruah, which is the Feast of Trumpets, or um, or the shout of, a cry of war, many among many other things. But um, these fall feasts. Are again, they're very prophetic and they're very important within our lives. And the first one, if we remember, was right after we came out of a of a thirty day uh, introspecting it and kind of looking within ourselves to see what we can remove, what maybe we can open our lives and our hearts for God to kind of dig in and move and remove from our lives. Uh, whatever we may be doing wrong, or whatever it is that we're not doing, that He's called us to do. It was kind of a, a reflection, uh, and a call back to repentance, to Teshuvah, right? And we came from that feast, or that Moed, and followed now by Yom Kippur. And it's funny, because this last week, um, Yom Kippur fell on, on Thursday, you know, on the 15th. And it it was... A day where, supposedly, is associated with the Jewish community. But it's funny because not even the school system was open. You know, all of a sudden my kids say, Oh, we don't have school on Thursday. I'm like, I go, what, your teachers don't want to work? And they're like, no, it's Yom Kippur. It's, you know, this, this Jewish holiday. I go, it's not a Jewish holiday. But not even the school system works. And so... My son says, you know, that he he had practice on on Wednesday night uh, from football and that his coach told him, unless you're Jewish, tomorrow we have practice in the morning. And my son was like, well, how about if we're not Jewish, but we celebrate the day anyways? He goes, well, you have to be here. Notice that people attached certain days to certain religions. It's like they're stereotyping, depending on your beliefs, who you are. Without realizing that those are God's feasts or God's appointed times. The problem is, there's just so much ignorance out in the world that people don't understand. It's just easy to point a finger and associate things and to actually open the Bible and read. And so here we are, the world, associating this day, Yom Kippur, with the Jewish community not realizing, as we're gonna read this morning, that these are God's feasts. I'm gonna read them again because they need to be a reminder. Uh, I know us in here know this already, but maybe you're watching live and you might be a little bit confused or on the the fence of whether these are God's feasts or these are Jewish feasts. Well, this morning I'm gonna clarify those things. And we're gonna take everything back to scripture as we always do, because that's how you prove things in scripture. Scripture interprets scripture, simple as that. I don't need to give you fancy words. I don't need to give you things that I might have studied. No, scripture interprets scripture. So we'll go into that in a minute. But why do we celebrate Yom Teruah last week? Well, the reason why we celebrate it simply is because, first of all, God commanded it. That's number one. Number two is because of our obedience to the word. God commands it. Our obedience, our obedience is a significance of our reverence to God. I'll repeat that again. Our obedience is a significance of our reverence, in other words, our respect towards God. Otherwise, we wouldn't follow anything. Otherwise, we would follow whatever we want. Therefore, we don't have no reverence. We don't have no respect to God. We don't need God because we can do whatever we want, whenever we want, however we want. But out of pure obedience... To His word, to who He is, we reverence Him, and so whatever He has commanded for us to follow and to observe, we observe those things. Not what the world says that we should observe or we should do or we should partake in, as they call it and attach Jesus to everything, but we follow what we to follow. If we were to look in Scripture, as we know, none of those fancy holidays and, and celebrations that the world has, you can't find them in Scripture. They're nowhere to be found. But simply by attaching Jesus, is justified. Well, no, it's not. You're actually corrupting the name of the Son of God. That's what you're doing. You're manipulating people to make them think that just because Jesus is attached to some sort of celebration, it's okay to do it. That's wrong. So again, not only is Yom Teruah biblical... But we know that if we were to celebrate Rosh Hashanah instead of Yom Teruah, we will be contradicting the word. Whereas we read last week in the book of Leviticus chapter 23, it says on the seventh month and on the first day, you should blow the trumpet. It doesn't say that it's a new year. Nowhere does it start a new year. It is the sound of the trumpet. So therefore, we are biblically aligning ourselves to what God says to celebrate. So one has nothing to do with the other one. It is actually a conflict of belief. It is more of an adoption, like we read, uh, like we sorry, like we learned last week, from a Babylonian time that the Israelites have gone through the years following. So it's more of a tradition than a celebration. Listen to what I said. It is more of a tradition than a celebration. As many traditions, men has, over the years, adapted, which are celebrated nowadays. They are man-made traditions, not biblical. So we need to align ourselves to what scripture says. So therefore, we started with Yom Teruah, this week was Yom Kippur, and people know it as the Day of Atonement. But I think if we stay on the Day of Atonement, we wouldn't be doing it justice. I think just the Day of Atonement is superficial to what truly Yom Kippur is all about. Amen? Now, I also mentioned last week that these Fall Holy Days are all based around the Second Coming of our Messiah. And as we continue with God's Moedims, appointed times, we need to remember that I mentioned something very, uh, very important last week. And that was that all feasts, if you didn't write this down, you want to write this down. If you're taking notes online, you want to write this down. All feast days are Moedims. All feast days are Moedim, meaning all feasts are appointed times. But, not all appointed times are feast days. We need to understand that very clearly because people might ask you, Hey, how, you know, there's seven feasts in the year? No, there's seven Moedims in the year. There's seven appointed times, but not all of them are feast days. Now, last week I didn't go into them. Because it wasn't part of what I wanted to bring forth on that teaching. But I am going to go into them today. The Torah teaches us that there are three feasts according to God's seven moedims. And they're found in the book of Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 16. And it will be up here on the screen. These are actually the three feasts out of the seven moedims that God calls us to celebrate. Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 16. And it says, three times a year, all your males are to appear before Adonai, your God, in the place he chooses. At the Feast of on unleavened bread, the Feast of Shavuot, Pentecost, and the Feast of Sukkot. No one should appear before Adonai, empty-handed, the gift of each man's hand, according to the blessing Adonai, your God, has given you. These are the three feasts, according to scripture, that bring forth not only a special offering to the Lord, but the ones that are called truly feasts by the Lord. So please understand that. There are seven more deems, seven appointed times. But within those seven, there are three. Matzo, unleavened bread, Shavuot, and Sukkot, which is starts um, right after Yom Kippur, which obviously we'll be celebrating all next week. So again, Deuteronomy 16, 16 gives us a description. So if somebody were to ask you, oh, here, this is where you could find the three feasts according to God. The rest are just more So they're appointed times. They're just as important. Don't get me wrong. Because God's appointed times, they're all important, of course. But according to scripture, these are the three that are considered feast days. Amen? Amen? Now, we also mentioned that God, in His great mercy, not only gave us a full month, to repent, to teshuvah, but then goes even further and gives us a 10 grace period. Right? There was a 10 grace period bef- between Yom Teruah and Yom Kippur. And it, it, it's, it's a 10 day of continuing to reflect on ourselves. I think sometimes we come out of Yom Teruah and we say, okay, we're done. You know, the time of reflection and repentance is done. Now I can start criticizing people all over again. No, that's not the case. As a matter of fact, God continues to say, "Listen, I'm going to give you." God is so merciful that He continues to give you a little bit more time, just in case you didn't reflect enough, just in case you didn't teshuvah, you didn't turn back to Him. He says, "I'm so merciful that I'm going to give you an extra ten days for you to recognize that you need Me. That without Me, you cannot make it in life. No matter how much you try." No matter how much you think you're capable of, without me, you just can't do it. And so he says, I'm graceful. I'm going to give you an extra 10 days for you to understand that. Because when Yom Kippur gets here, that is the day of atonement. That is the day that basically, listen, you need to fully have understood that now it's time for just plain out forgiveness. And that's it. And you just literally turn back to me. If you continue about your ways, if you continue to do what you're doing and think everything's okay, you're gonna have a reality check sooner or later. And you might not like that reality check. And so I'm giving you 10 extra days before we get to Yom Kippur. Now, Yom Kippur, it's mostly associated with fasting. Right? People talk about, oh, it's 25 hours of fasting, no food, no water. Can I tell you that is also man-made tradition? Afflicting yourselves, even though it is associated with fasting, in the, like the book of Acts tells us. More than just fasting, associating with afflicting ourselves, obedience is also afflicting ourselves. How so? Because if you do the opposite of obedience, you are doing contrary to what the Word is doing. Therefore, you're giving into your flesh, and you're not afflicting yourself for what you should be doing. You follow me? Obedience is also afflicting yourself, because obedience goes with the heart of God, and obedience will always go against your flesh. Always. Always. Your flesh will always want to do the opposite. So more than just fasting and saying, I, I'm starving myself from the next for the next 25 hours or so. I'm not drinking anything for the next 25. Let that not be your focus. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you're looking at Yom Kippur as just 25 days of just fasting, food and water, you're missing what Yom Kippur is. Completely. You're torturing yourself of not eating, of not drinking anything. Not realizing that it's just more of a tradition than actually what Yom Kippur means. It goes deeper than that. Well, this morning we're going to go into deeper than that. And truly see what Yom Kippur is all about. Amen? Now, I do want to visit some scriptures. So those that, again, that may be watching online or or us in here, if we have a little bit of confusion, understand whose feasts are these? And who needs to celebrate them? Two very important things. Whose feasts are these? Or who more deems are these? and who needs to celebrate them. The first scripture is, we're gonna go to Leviticus chapter 23, verse one. Leviticus 23, verse one. we're gonna read verse one and two. This is, this scripture here tells us whose feast are these. This is the first part. Just in case anybody say, oh no, those are Jewish feasts. Okay. We don't celebrate those, those don't apply to us. Fine. Let's read what scripture says. Leviticus 23, verse 1 says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel. Now stop there for a second. This is where people bring the division. Remember, there was a key word a couple of weeks ago when we started speaking about um, Exodus 21. The now, how significant that word was. It created a division between chapter 21 and chapter 20. So therefore, people say, Oh no, the Ten Commandments were the Ten Words. That's where we stop. From there on, the rest of the law doesn't apply for it because it says now this is for the children of Israel. That's, I'm not Jewish. I'm not Israel. Well, if you know anything about Scripture and you read the New Testament, which modern Christianity and everybody else holds themselves to, well, guess what? The book of Romans says that you've been grafted in. That's what grafting in means. Now you are Israel. You may not be by blood, but spiritually you are Israel. So now what I'm about to read applies to you. Amen. If you understand that, if you believe in the New Testament. Like you people say, oh no, Jesus came to do away with. The New Testament is what we hold on to. Okay, fine. You want to hold on to the New Testament as we spoke last week. Not only are you following Torah because Torah is instructions, so you're following the New Testament. You're following Torah. But now we're going to clarify that the Old Testament also applies to you because if you're grafted in, this is talking to you this morning. Amen? Amen? Leviticus 23. So, so start from the beginning again. Verse 1. It says, Then Adonai spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to B'nai Israel and tell them, These are the appointed Mordims of the Jews. No. Of the Christians. No. Of the Catholics. Of every other religion you want to attach that to. No. It says, These are the appointed Mordims of Adonai, the Lord's. Which you are to proclaim... To be a holy convocation's my Moa deems. So whose are they? The, Lord. the, the Lords. Lords. They're not a specific religion. They are God's Moadims. God's appointed times. Now let's go a little further down. Verse 26. And again, we're teaching this morning on Yom Kippur. Verse 26 of chapter 23 of Leviticus. It says... I spoke to Moses saying, sorry, I spoke to Moses saying, however, the 10th day of this 7th month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you. So again, when it says to you, it's speaking to us. It's speaking to Israel. Again, we understand that we have been grafted in, so therefore God is speaking to all of us. Amen? Amen? Amen. Cool. So again, again, this seventh month is Yom Kippur, a holy convocation to you. You are to afflict yourselves. Here is where people stop and say, okay, it's just about a fast. We understand that Yeshua, we understand that Jesus was, was our ultimate atonement. I understand that part. He was our Kippurah, our substitute. But, but I am associating Yom Kippur with just fasting, afflicting myself. Because again... The New Testament speaks on afflicting ourselves as fasting. But little do we know that if we just afflict ourselves by fasting, again, like I mentioned earlier, we are missing what Yom Kippur is all about. So again, it says, you are to afflict yourselves. You are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. You know that. Even though... Again, in Yom Kippur is a tradition to fast for 25 hours. Right before Yom Kippur, you are to have a feast in celebration to what's about to take place. So God says, pig out, stuff your faces, because for the next 25 hours, I'm going to need you to afflict yourself. But people don't think about that. They say they're just so focused on what's about to take place on how much they're gonna suffer from not eating or drinking for the next 25 hours that they forget to celebrate with their families prior to entering Yom Kippur. And it's just as important at what goes through in Yom Kippur. That feast, that dinner that you have with your family right before Yom Kippur, in a sense, it's a celebration into that day. It's a celebration into the afflicting. It's a celebration into, remember, obedience and Yom Kippur. So look how important that meal right before is uh, before the actual 25 hours of fasting. So you are to bring an offering made by fire to Adonai. Verse 28 says you are not to do any kind of work on that set day for it is Yom Kippur to make atonement for you before Adonai your God. Verse 29 for anyone who does not deny himself on that day must be cut off from his people. Anyone who does any kind of work on that day, that person I will destroy from among his people. Verse 31, You shall do no kind of work. It is a statue forever throughout your generation in all your dwellings. And finally, verse 32, It is to be a Shabbat. Listen to this, guys. It is to be a Shabbat of solemn rest for you. And you are to humble your souls on the ninth day of the month, in the evening, from evening until evening, you are to keep your Shabbat. Now, before I continue with that, go back to Leviticus chapter 16, verse 29 through 31. Leviticus 16, verse 29 through 31. And it says, this is to be a statute to you, when? For three months? For as long as you feel as you want to celebrate it? No. No. No, it says forever. That in the seventh month, on the tenth day of the month, you are to afflict your souls. And do no kind of work, both. Now this is very crucial here. This is who needs to celebrate it. Understand this both the native-born Jews and the outsider dwelling among you. Gentile. Grafted in. So here in Scripture, we see that this obviously is not by no means a Jewish holiday like people claim it to be. They're attaching it just based on what they've been taught for years. But here Scripture tells us clearly This is who needs to celebrate it, both the native-born, the Jew, and the outsider dwelling among you. Remember, when the Israelites left out of Egypt, all the Israelites left, as well as a mixed multitude. Those are the outsiders dwelling among them. And so therefore, this specific day, this specific holiday, or holy day, it is to be celebrated by not only the Jewish community, they've been since the beginning of time, but also, us that being grafted in and understand now we are spiritual Israel. So therefore, it is our job as well to celebrate this day. According to scripture, Leviticus 16, 29-31, it says, Us, the outsider, are to celebrate it. And verse 31 says, Is a Shabbat of solemn rest again to you, and you are to afflict your souls. It is a statue Forever. So we see again, through all throughout the book of Leviticus, that this is not only associated with the Jews, but also those like us that have been grafted in as spiritual Israel. It is our job as well to celebrate it the same way the Jews celebrated, because it's not their holidays, it is the Lord's. Now, if you guys remember a couple of weeks ago, I spoke about the responsibilities, how we don't like to accept responsibilities, how we don't like to abide by responsibilities therefore what happens why because when we are told something we are held accountable for it pay attention when we are told something and we have to be responsible for that we are held accountable for that so people don't like responsibility because they don't like to be accountable for anything i include myself in that all of us when i speak people in general i include myself in these things We as human beings don't like to be held accountable. Well, guess what? This morning, we are all being held accountable because once God reveals something in his word, unless you're covering your ears and you don't want to listen, you are held accountable. So let's go back to um, chapter 26 of Leviticus. And from 26 to 32, where it speaks about Yom Kippur. And I'm going to give you some pointers this morning of what we just finished reading. And these are the things that we are going to be held accountable going forward. Okay? These are the things that we're going to be. If you didn't do them this past Yom Kippur, that's fine. You got a free pass, you got a freebie, get a, a get out of jail free card. But going forward, now you are made aware, you will be held accountable. And I know a lot of times we just like to plan our own things and do our own things, but now we have to be made uh, made ourselves accountable for what we just learned. So therefore, this needs to be incorporated into our lives. Otherwise, these are the things that are going to happen if you don't do them. These are your responsibilities. Number one, we are not to work on Yom Kippur. It is a day of atonement. You're not supposed to do any physical work. If you got dirty dishes around the house, leave them there. (laughs) That's your freebie. Take advantage of it. No physical work. You're not supposed to report to work. You're supposed to take that day off. This is scripture. This is not me telling you. Number two, if we don't rest, we are to be destroyed. This is scripture. This is not me. So it is a Shabbat, it is a Sabbath, meaning if you don't take the time to rest, and what I mean by resting is not just lounging in your bed for the next 25 hours. What I mean by resting is yes, you need physical rest, of course, God commands us to have physical rest because we need to be restored and have energy to do the things He's calling us to do, but aside from just physical rest, we need to rest in His presence. That's what resting also is. So it's not just bumming around the house and staying in your pajamas the whole entire day. No, it's resting in God, spending time in His Word. Prayer, worship, whatever it is, impacting somebody maybe, inviting them over. Hey, come celebrate Yom Kippur with me. What are you going to do? Nothing. Well, how are we celebrating? You'll find out when you get here. So again, it's a day of rest. Otherwise, if you don't rest, you are to be destroyed. Now, destroyed, the word destroyed doesn't mean physically you're going to be destroyed. God is not going to come down and say, boom, and make you disappear. No, it's not going to happen that way. But what happens is now you begin to separate yourselves from that commonwealth. You begin to separate from the benefits that God gives when we follow His Feast, when we follow His commandments. Now it's like you're detaching yourself. You're breaking off. And remember, we're all key parts within the body of Christ. And so therefore, if we're all key parts within the body of Christ, and we're not being, um, we're not following what God commands us to follow, we begin to kind of break ourselves from that. We begin to kind of detach ourselves. It's like when you break a bone, a bone detaches itself. Well, that's what we're doing. We are detaching ourselves from the benefits of God. Because what happens? We're not being obedient to the Word. We're being disobedient. So, if you're being disobedient, in a sense, you're giving into your flesh instead of the spirit. So, again, you begin to detach. So, therefore, God says, okay, you're not going to be obedient. Well, destruction is going to come. And when you detach yourself, now you're left in isolation. You're left in an island all by yourself. And so, when consequences come, don't complain. You're the one that detached yourself, nobody told you to do so. You took it upon yourself and saying, "You know what? That doesn't apply to me. I don't feel like following that." Well, you detached yourself. Now, the destruction that comes, that God says in His Word, applies to you because you're no longer part of it. There has to be consequences for detachment. Why? Because if there is no consequences, how will we ever attach ourselves back? How will we ever attach ourselves back if there is no consequences? If we detach ourselves and God just lets us be and we do whatever we want until the time passes and then when we feel like it comes back into His presence again, what do we need God for? There needs to be consequences. It teaches us. It realigns us back to what God is telling us that we should follow. So again, it is a day of atonement. It is a day of rest. Not only physical rest or spiritual rest. Three, it is a permanent statue from God. This is not for a period of time. This is not when you feel like celebrating it or not, or because your neighbor says that you're all of a sudden you're, you're just Jew, you're too Jewish. No, this is a statue forever, a permanent statue from God, not from a religion. Do not allow people to stereotype you on what you believe. Don't let them do that. Don't let them all of a sudden attach you to a religion because of what you believe. That goes contrary against the heart of God. God is not about religion. God is about relationship. And religion and relationship don't get along. Religion detaches itself. Relationship attaches itself. Amen? So again, it is a permanent statute from God. Number four, it is to be obeyed doesn't matter of your location. So if you say, well, you know, I used to celebrate that back in my old house, but you know, I moved over here, and the neighbors here are kind of, you know, a little nosy, and they wanna know my business, and they want well, guess what? It is your job to celebrate Yom Kippur wherever you go. Even if you go on vacation, guess what? You are to celebrate it. If Yom Kippur falls within that week of your vacation, you are to celebrate Yom Kippur in the midst of your hotel room, in the midst of wherever you're at, you are to celebrate Yom Kippur. Just because you go on vacation, you don't scratch Yom Kippur off the year. How would you like if God scratched you off the book? Well, you don't want to follow? Fine, you detached yourself. I'm gonna scratch you off. Sorry, Alex. Nah, I'm not getting a freebie this time, buddy. Sorry, Edwin. You wanna detach yourself? Scratch. Manny? Scratch. Erica? (laughs) Scratch. For laughing. No, guys. Wherever we go, we are to continue because it is a statue forever from God. So it doesn't matter where we go. We are to celebrate it out of pure obedience for God, out of pure reverence for God. Or are you considering your vacation more important than God? Wasn't God the one that provided for your vacation in the first place? So why are we putting our our, our priorities all mixed up? We get to choose where we put God. We we kind of fit Him in our schedule when we feel like it. Oh, you're important today because I need you. But next week I'm on vacation, I'm going to release everything. I'm going all out. YOLO. Without Without you. You stay back here in my house. When I come back, I'll I'll reattach myself again. But in the meantime, I'm detaching myself. You only live once, God. Remember that. (laughs) Guys, wherever we go, it is a permanent statue. It needs to be obeyed no matter the location. Number five, it is a Shabbat, a complete rest. Remember, no physical work. It is a Shabbat. You are supposed to spend time with God. It's not just any day. It's not just any other celebration. This is one of the most important days of our year. It needs to remind us what Jesus did for us. What he did, who he was. So again, it's a Shabbat. We are to afflict ourselves. Remember, more than just fasting for 25 hours, like it's more of a, a tradition, afflicting is out of pure obedience. We need to follow this feast, or this moed, better said. We need to follow this, day, this appointed day by God. We should follow it to the T. And so these all things that I'm mentioning here are all in the six scriptures that we just finished reading. You can go back later and read them again. Leviticus 23, verse 26 through 32. These things that I'm telling you are all in there. So again, we are to afflict ourselves. And last but not least, it is a complete day. Sunset to sunset. Remember, God sees days as sunset to sunset. Not the way you and I see it from 12 a.m. to 12 p.m. or whatever it is. From the morning to night. No. It's from sunset to sunset. Amen? So those are the seven things out of those six scriptures that we just finished reading that that go along with Yom Kippur. Now, like I said earlier, most people center Yom Kippur around the fact of a fast, a physical fast. But if we were to do that, we will miss the mark of what Yom Kippur is all about. Again, we will be staying on the surface. That's just a superficial way to look at Yom Kippur. So more than afflicting, listen to me, if you're taking notes, more than afflicting, even though it's in the scripture, more than afflicting you should be feeding. I'm gonna repeat that again. More than afflicting, you should be feeding. What do I mean by that? More than afflicting yourself physically, or doing this fast for these 25 hours, you should be feeding your inner you, your spirit. That is what Yom Kippur is. It's an internal, It, it, it goes with the forgiveness, of what Jesus did on the cross for us. He became our atonement. But feeding our spirit within these 25 hours. Understanding what he did for us. And not take it in vain. Not take it lightly. Amen. So more than just afflicting ourselves physically. Of fasting. We should be feeding ourselves spiritually. Look what scripture says. Isaiah 58 verse 9 through 10. 9 through 11. Sorry. Isaiah 58 Isaiah 58, verse 9 through 11. It says, Then you will call, and I will answer. And we stop there. Oh, every word that comes out of my mouth, God listens and He answers. Well, let's continue to read. Then you will call, and I will answer. You will cry, and He will say, Here I am. Yes, He hears you. If... If you get rid of the yoke among you, um, finger pointing and bad mounting, if you give yourself, that key, the key word there is if. See, so you have to do these things if you want God to answer, if you want God to hear. If you give yourself to the hungry and satisfy the desire of the afflicted, then your light will rise in darkness and your gloom will be like midday. Verse 11, Then Adonai will guide you continually satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones you will be like a water garden like a spring of water whose waters never fail notice here isaiah concentrates or focuses on the eternal the soul he's more concerned about the soul the inside while today we are more concerned about outside we're more concerned about our flesh and how we look and how our hair looks and how we're dressed and what we drive and where we live instead of concentrating on ourselves, on our soul, on our spirit. Those are the things that matter. Yeah. And Isaiah makes it clearly here. If you get rid of all those things and you concentrate on the internal, then God will hear you. Then God will will answer. Then God will lead you. Continually. Not just for a period of time, but continually, he says. So who is that again? That is the spirit that lives within us. So again, it's not just about afflicting our flesh of past or of going through a fast, but feeding the spirit that lives within us. Here we see Isaiah speak that Adam and I will satisfy our soul again, concentrating on the inner part of our being, not so much on the external. So while it is tradition to fast. On Yom Kippur, let that not be the center of attention on this holy time. Listen, if our minds are so concentrated on the external, we are being unjust to God. And I'm going to say that again because I think we need to remind ourselves that. If our minds are just so concentrated on the external, we are being unjust to God. we are being unjust to God because we're not paying attention to the inner spirit, the spirit of God that lives within us. We are concentrated with our surroundings, with our situations, with what the flesh wants to do, and we're not being just to God when we know that God himself is a just God. So if we are being unjust, how can we expect justice from God in our lives? It doesn't work that way. We have to be just to receive just from a God, from a justice God. One hand feet, you know, one hand washes the other one, and they both wash your face. You ever heard that saying? Yeah. Look what Romans eight says. I'm going to take y'all over Scripture today. Romans eight, uh, verse seven and eight. Says, for the mindset, pay attention, for the mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God. There it is. Right there. You're being unjust. If your mindset is all on the flesh, you're being unjust to God. I told you, we'll take everything back to Scripture. I'll show it to you in Scripture. If we're just concentrating on ourselves, on everything that we have to do, on everyday life, we're being unjust to God. The mindset of the flesh is hostile towards God. For it does not submit itself to the law of God. For it cannot. So those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So if you're constantly longing for what your fleshly desires. And the things you want to satisfy yourself with. That are fleshly desires. You are not satisfying god you cannot please god it's impossible scripture says it is impossible you're not being just to god and i don't think god deserves that honestly guys i think god has been too good too faithful to us for us to repay him in such ways so again afflicting is not just a fast physical but it is more out of obedience to god which obedience itself is also afflicting ourselves. And this scripture here is very important because it says that you cannot submit to the law of God. That's why people say, oh no, I can't submit to the law. Well, guess what? We're reading the New Testament. And if you believe the New Testament, how do you not submit to the law of God? Where did, the, where, where did Paul write this in, in the book of Romans. This foundation of the law came from the Old Testament. She agrees. Paul didn't just take it upon himself just to write this and this book. No. There was a foundation. That foundation, that law, was the law that was spoken by the prophets in the Old Testament. There is no division. There is no separation. It is the same law. Again, simply fasting is not the main objective of this holy day. It is more than just a physical fast. It is a lot deeper than just fasting. Listen, Yom Kippur is about a relationship between repentance and atonement. Yom Kippur is a relationship between repentance and atonement. What did we just finish celebrating? Yom Teruah. What was it before Yom Teruah? 30 days of repentance. Then we remember last week we said there was 10 days more of grace from Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur. God says, okay, I'm going to be merciful in us. I'm going to be gracious enough. I'm going to give you 10 extra days for you to repent. But atonement is coming. My judgment is coming. Understand, I'm around the corner. I need you to make sure you got your life straight. There has to be a cutoff time. You know, God gives us free passes, but until when? How many free passes do we want? Eventually they run out. If we don't do what we're supposed to do, they run out. The whole thing of grace covers everything, don't live by that. It runs out. Because the word also says that God cannot be mocked. And so if you are aware of it, like we are making you aware this morning of what Yom Kippur is all about, don't tell me next year, oh, I had to work, oh, I had to do this, oh, I had to do that. Well, it's not what I'm telling you. It's what Scripture says that you're going to be destroyed, you're going to be cut off. Don't complain later. Oh, but I, you know that's my only week of vacation. Fine, it's your only week of vacation. Just make sure you include God in it. Or when you go on vacation, you forget about God. Is, is that how our vacations work? When we go on vacation, God stays at the house? He doesn't jump in the car with us? Or is it our prayer, God, you be the driver of this vehicle? Mm-hmm. So if you make God the driver of the vehicle, therefore he's included in your vehicle wherever you go. Again, your vacation is because God allowed you for you to take that vacation. Now please don't miss this. This is very powerful. Atonement, as as we said, Yom Kippur is a relationship between repentance and atonement. If you're taking notes, you want to write this down. Atonement can be broken down as at one meant. We can break the word like this at one meant. When we look at this phrase, we see the connection between the word atonement and Yeshua. The word meant, and you can look it up, it is a word, M-E-N-T, which is the ending of a tone, forms a noun from an adjective. Whenever you add the word meant to a word, it creates an adjective into a noun. So now a tone, adding meant, is also can be looked as a noun. Now what is a noun? A noun describes a person, a place, a thing or an idea? Think about what I just said. A noun describes a person, a place, a thing, or an idea. So when we add the word meant to atone, person, Joshua, place, Calvary, thing, atone, an idea, it was God's. So we see Jeshua. In the word atonement. Not only in the action and what He did, but who He is. It was in His nature to come into the world and become atonement for your sins and my sins. He was added to remove your sins. That should get you excited, guys. Because He became your atonement. He fulfilled what you and I were supposed to suffer. So what a perfect, better atonement than that doesn't exist. That's why He's considered the perfect Lamb of God. Because He is atonement itself. It was an idea from God, but God knew all along what atonement was going to be. It was going to be His Son. He knew what He was going to do. He knew what He was going to fulfill for all the world. Those that believe and didn't believe in Him. He didn't pick and choose people. I'm grateful and I'm thankful that he didn't pick and choose people because I don't think I would have been included in those people. So we see atonement, Yeshua, Jesus being all over this word, not only of what he did, but speaking of the nature of himself as well. The literal application of Yom Kippur is repentance, listen to me, the literal application of Yom Kippur is the repentance leading to denying the flesh that is against the law of God. It's not the affliction of the flesh, but is the repentance leading to the denying of the flesh. You see how repentance is more important than the fasting part? That's why it starts with repentance. It doesn't start with a fast. It starts with Repentance. You have 30 days to reflect, you have 30 days to repent, and just in case you thought 30 days was enough, he says, okay, I'm going to give you an extra 10 days for you to continue to reflect, for you to continue to repent, but then the affliction comes. What you need to go through, what you need to do, the affliction needs to take place. Now this here is kind of like a a double-edged sword for both, for believers and non-believers. Because, first of all, is denying um, the, the, uh, our, our, our flesh. So it's, 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 it's believers saying, okay, I have, to, I have to commit a fast, but, you know, 25 hours is just too, too much. I mean, come on, God. You know I love to eat two, three, four times a day. Can't go without food. How are you going to ask me to go 25 hours without food? Seriously? 25 hours? How many hours do you have the rest of the year to eat all you want? And if you remember correctly when I started is that your Yom Kippur should have started with a feast. You should have had a pig out food, eat all you want, then stop for 25 hours, and then after those 25 hours, eat all you want again. It is a feast leading to a feast if you count food as feast. And in the midst of it, you afflict yourselves. But it's also that part of the sword where I said it's a double-edged sword to those that believe in Jesus, for those that believe in Yeshua, but don't believe in the law of God. So if you're against the law of God, which we saw in Romans, Paul speak about the law of God, which obviously the foundation was the Torah, or the prophets, what they spoke in the Old Testament, you are actually against Yom Kippur because of that reason. Because it's a law. Again, we're stereotyping again. It's, it's not us. It's, that, be- that belongs to the Jews. It's not us. Jesus came away to do that as well. If we fall into that mindset of Jesus came to do away with that, came to do away with that, we only might have had three pages in the whole Bible. <laughs> and they all consist of the benefits. Not what God asks us to do. Come on, can we, can we be real? I'm only going to keep three pages, and three pages, I'm going to fill them up with all the benefits. Nothing that God asked me to do. That costs too much. 25 hours is way too much time to spend without eating. But it's scientifically proven that you can't die from it. So as a matter of fact, it's scientifically proven that you can go three days without drinking water. So what is 25 hours? You see how we nitpick at things? Just to not do things that God requires from us to do? Oh, man, you don't understand. My headache, my stomach is growling. It's embarrassing to be somewhere. My stomach just begins to growl. Or the massive headache. When you look at Yom Kippur that way, you're missing the point. You're staying on the superficial part. Again, you're just concentrating on the fast, on the physical not understanding that is more about feeding the spiritual, the inner you. Amen. Yes, physically, you are suffering, which we, will, we must do anyways. We must die to the flesh daily. But in those 25 hours, you're supposed to be feeding yourself. And if you ask God to feed you, to fill you up, guess what? That hunger goes out the window. Yes. Trust me on that. Yes. I'm one that loves to eat. And my prayer when we started Young Kapoor was, God, fill me. And I could tell you we went the whole 24 hours without eating or drinking. Every time the thought, every time the flesh began to just take over and say, you're hungry. Hello, feed me. Or you're thirsty, I need some water. I would ask, Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. Lord, fill me. And my hunger would go right out the window. Guys, please believe me when I tell you this. Please believe me when I tell you this. The hunger will instantly disappear. How? I have no idea. He would just take over. The spirit within me will take over and fill me spiritually, which is more important than physically. Amen? Amen? So again, the little application from Yom Kippur is repentance leading to denying the flesh that is against the law of God. Look what Romans 8, 13 through 14 says. 8, 13 through 14 says, For if you live according to the flesh, you must, what? Mm -hmm. Go about your business? Mm -hmm. You must enjoy yourselves? No, if you live according to the flesh, you must die. Plain out, straight up. This is God being real right here. If you live according to your flesh, if you give in to yourself, to the desires of the flesh, you will die Eventually. But if by the Ruach, which is by the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of the body, you shall live. For all who are led by the Spirit, Elohim, these are sons of God. So, if you are led by the flesh, are you a son of God? According to what Scripture says there? No. If you are led by the flesh, you're not. There's a difference between a creation of God and a son and a daughter of God. There's people out there that say, oh, I'm a son of God. Really? You shall know them by the fruits. Just look and see how they behave themselves. Look and see what they're following. And if they're not following what it says here, if they're not being led by the Spirit and they're living according to their flesh, they are not a son of God. They are a creation of God. That's it. That's as far as it goes. If you're not led by the Ruach, by the Spirit, you are not a son of God. Yom Kippur is a statue forever, as we we read earlier, contrary to what's being taught from the pulpit. Again, they're associated with a certain religion. That doesn't apply to us. You don't have to follow that. That's Old Testament, first of all, anyways. You don't need to... Follow none of those things. But we see there in scripture clearly says, it is a statue forever. It never gave a time period of when you should celebrate this, this feast or this Moedim, the appointed time. It says it's a statue forever because it comes from God. And there is no limitations. There is no limit to God. And so if God says, you must celebrate this forever, you have to celebrate it forever. Now, what does forever mean? Once we are, we go to be with the Father. Obviously, we're going to live in His presence. So, all those things are going to be there. They're, they're going to be. It's, it's going to be reality to us. But while we're here, this forever. While we're here, we have to celebrate them. We have to be part of them. We have to show people what we're doing if we're truly living to the Word of God. It will be a reality once we're up there. Here we're fighting the flesh. It needs to be a reality for us here as well. In the meantime, why? Because that shows a time of preparation. We are constantly preparing ourselves. It's not just one, uh, one time a year, God. When we when Yom Kippur comes, okay, I'm I'm preparing myself this day because I know that Jesus was the perfect atonement, and I ask for forgiveness, He cleanses me, He washes me, and that's it. I don't have to look to Yom Kippur until next year again. No, this is a continual. Amen. It needs to be done every single day, even if it's not Yom Kippur. Understanding that, yes, He was your atonement, He was the perfect Lamb of God, but it needs to be a continual part on your behalf to continue to repent, to continue denying your flesh, and to continue submitting to the Spirit. It's a continual process. It's not for a certain type of the year, a certain time of the year, but yeah. Amen? Amen. So again, Yom Kippur is a statue forever. And I'll begin to close with this, and of course, I'm gonna talk for another hour, but that's fine. <laughs> it almost seems as Yom Kippur culminates what the sixth month of the Hebrew calendar began, the month of Elul. And what Yom Teruah also followed. We had 30 days to repent. Then we had the the, the uh, Moed of Yom Teruah, Day of Trumpets. And then, here comes Yom Kippur 10 days later. So, it almost seems as Yom Kippur pretty much covers what we started 40 days ago. Right? We had 30 days, and then an extra 10 days. 30 plus 10 is 40. Follow me. So we have 40 days to finally come to this day and say, Okay, God, that's it. I'm done. I understand that Yeshua was my atonement. I understand what I need to do. I need to get myself right. Please forgive me and wash me, cleanse me, so I can move forward to celebrating the Feast of Our Feast, which is the Feast of Sukkot, which begins right after this. So then, Yom Kippur becomes an annual, listen to me, Yom Kippur becomes an annual renewed covenant that we are partaking in. Why do I say that? Because every year, you have to renew it. You have to do it. So it's it's a covenant, something that Yeshua did for us, that He became for us. And so now every single year, we renew this covenant with our Savior, knowing that He can come back at any minute, that He is our perfect atonement. And so we come into an agreement that He's the only one And so therefore, yearly, we say, Lord, we come before you. My past mistakes, please wash them. Here I am, new. I need to become white as snow, free of every wrinkle, free of every stain, because that is the type of bride you're coming for. That is the type of church Yeshua is coming for. No wrinkle, no stain. And so therefore, these 40 days, we should use it to the best of our ability, To become such bride. Or doesn't the bride prepare for the groom to the best of her ability? She wants to look as beautiful as she can on that day. The best dress, the best makeup, the best hairdo. Well, guess what? This is our preparation time. These 40 days is for us to be as clean as possible. Cleansed by the the blood of the Lamb. Removed from every wrinkle, every stain. So when He comes back, we can celebrate in Sukkot. The groom comes back for the bride. The feast of all feasts for seven straight days and Sukkot, knowing that He is our coverage. So again, it's a renewed covenant that we do every single year. Again, living a life of constant preparation for when our Messiah returns for His bride. So, Yom Kippur becomes the appointed day that highlights the purpose for mankind. Yom Kippur becomes the appointed day that highlights God's purpose for mankind. Due by a renewed covenant that we do on a yearly basis. Now, the word atonement in Hebrew is the word kipurim, which we find in the Torah. The root word for kipurim is kafar, which is related to purify or cleanse. So, look, exactly, what it basically means it's a purification and a cleansing of our lives. It it it, it should it should kind of like kind of, as we're walking through life, the day of atonement, Yom Kippur, there should be a massive stop sign in our lives. We reach that stop sign, we stop, reflect. Purify ourselves. Cleanse ourselves from all iniquities, all impurities that we've been dragging all year that we should not be carrying any further going, moving forward into what God has called us to do and then be able to move. It's a, it's a time of purification and cleansing. That's why I keep saying that Yom Kippur, it's so important, guys. Because it's, it follows exactly what we just finished coming out of. A time of repentance, a time of Teshurah, to turn back to God. If we're turning back to God the same way we've been all year long, there's a problem. With all that unfilthiness on top of us, that's not the way you turn back to God. Or or when you go meet with with your significant other, or, or wherever it is, or to your job, do you go filthy? Do you go dress filthy? The same clothes that you wore maybe the day before or two days ago was full of sweat and everything else. Is that the same way you go to work? No. You go home, you take a shower, you put fresh clothes on and then you go to work the next day. When you go out with your wife. you, You don't just pull the dirty clothes out of the bucket and just throw anything on. No, right? You take a shower, you throw something on and you take your wife out or your husband, whatever it may be. So if we're doing these things ourselves, again, for the flesh, why aren't we doing it for God? Why are we not stopping in that massive stop sign that we have in front of us and cleansing ourselves, purifying ourselves, and then turning back to our Heavenly Father cleansed and purified? God sent His Son as the perfect sacrifice for the sins of the world. Not for a specific people nor specific religion. Because of this blood, we are given atonement before God. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. Told you I was going to go for like another two hours. I was done, but not really done. It's Shabbat, guys. We can be here as long as we want to, right? Amen? Amen? Amen. Come on now. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. It says, He made the one who knew no sin to become a sin offering on our behalf, so that in Him we might become the righteousness of God. So how do we become the righteousness of God? By Yeshua becoming our kapara, our replacement. He became our atonement. And because of that, the blood that He shed on cover, he cleanses us. That's why we say, activate the blood daily. The blood has power. Activate that blood over your life daily before you step out of your house. It is that blood that cleanses you. It is that blood that covers you wherever it is that you go. And it is that blood that, that kind of puts this covering over you that people are going to see. Hey, Amen, there's something different about you. It is that blood that cleanses you. Amen? So again, He made the one who knew no sin to become a sin offering. What a perfect sacrifice. What a perfect atonement. Now it is interesting that from the beginning of the sixth month, the month of Elul, to Yom Kippur there is 40 days. Right? 30 days in the month of, of the sixth month. And then there's an extra 10 days from Yom Teruah to Yom Kippur. Now, the number 40 is very significant in Scripture. And I'll give you a couple of examples. You guys know that numbers and names are very significant in Scripture. We should look into these things. Numbers are not just there to be numbers. Names are not just thrown in the Bible just for names. They have significance, as we've learned, by going back to the beginning of the book. So again, 40 is very significant. And here are some examples. Joshua fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. Before what? Before he was tempted. 25 hours is nothing. He fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before he was tempted. We're called to fast for 25 days and temptation creeps in before those 25 hours and we gave in because we were starving. Yeshua fasted for 40 days and 40 nights before his temptation. 40 days was the period from Joshua's resurrection to his ascension. From the time he resurrected to the time he went to be with the Father, there was 40 days. It took 40 days for the Israelites' spies to scout the land of Canaan. Before they went into the promised land, Joshua sent the spies out. It took them 40 days to scout the promised land and come back with a report. And of course many other examples you know we know of of course but what's important the number 40 is that it can be a byproduct of the number five and the number eight please if you're taking notes, don't miss this the number 40 can be a byproduct of the number five and the number eight of course five means grace and eight means new beginning so And then I'm truly going to finish with this. Yom Kippur can be looked at this way. We're going to plug in those things right now. Because of God's grace, 5, and Yeshua not only being our high priest, but also our perfect atonement, God then gave us a new beginning. 8. Before the bride celebrates with our groom and feasts during the Feast of... A Feast, which is Sukkot. I'm going to repeat that again. Because I think that plane came and left. We can look at Yom Kippur this way. Because of God's grace. Five. You should be screaming already. There's grace for you this morning. And Yeshua, not only being our High Priest, as He's considered. But also our perfect atonement. Our replacement. God then gave us a new beginning. Eight. Before the bride celebrates with the groom, he's the groom, we are the bride, and feasts during the Feast of Feasts, which is Sukkot, which is what you do for seven whole days. You feast in the Feast of Sukkot. So is Yom Kippur important? Absolutely. Is it significant? Absolutely. Is it for you and for me? Absolutely. Is it just for the Jews? Absolutely not. They are God's feast. And according to Leviticus 16, it's for the natural and the outsider living among them. That's you and I. And then we'll finish reading this. Go with me to Psalms 130. We read this before the start of Yom Kippur in our house. And I thought it was very powerful. And so I want to share with you guys. Psalms 130, we're gonna read the whole Psalm. It's only eight verses, so don't go crazy. Psalms 130, we're gonna read the whole Psalm. Again, we read this um, before the, the start of Yom Kippur. It says, a song of ascent. Out of the depths, I cry to you, Adonai. Lord, hear my voice. Let your ear be attentive to the sound of my supplications. What supplications? Prayers, petitions. If you, Adonai, keep the record of iniquities, my Lord, who could stand? Think about that for a second. If he will keep a record of all your wrongdoings, do you think you and I will be here today? No, that's why we needed atonement. That's why Jesus had to come in place. Otherwise, you and I would not be here. Verse 4. For with you there, for with you there is forgiveness. Praise God for that. So you may be revered. He offers forgiveness so you can reverence Him. Respect Him. Revere Him. I wait for Adonai. My soul waits. Again, remember what I mentioned and I've been saying all along today. Young poor is not just afflicting yourselves externally or by fasting to the flesh. It's more about feeding yourself internally. We see it here in Psalms 130. I wait for that and my soul waits. And His word, I hope. You feed yourself with His word, that hunger that your flesh will want to take upon will go away. The problem is that people focus so much on the 25 hours of fasting that they forget about feeding the Spirit. So then Yom Kippur is all associated with just a physical fast and not feeding the Spirit. When feeding the Spirit should be first and then a physical fast should be second because that's just just tradition. That's just something that you do afterwards. But feeding of the Spirit, understanding what you must be doing within that day, within that holy day. My soul waits for my Lord, more than watchmen for the morning, watchmen for the morning. O Israel, wait for Adonai, for with Adonai there is loving kindness, and with him is full redemption. And he will, not maybe, not if he feels like it, he will redeem Israel, spiritual Israel, from all its iniquities. Amen. Come on, what a psalm. Let's go ahead and stand. I want to pray over this psalm because this is very powerful. I Also, today, which we didn't do last week, um, I want for, for us to kind of come together. And like I mentioned at the beginning of the teaching, pray for one another because there's power in prayer so doesn't matter who you came with just kind of like all oh, let's kind of feel the the lanes between each other let's kind of tie each other all together um, because after I pray for this psalm I will